0: The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give.
1: Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always.
0: You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 63.
1: Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float
0: impressive every word in that sense was wrong
1: help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope this station is now the ultimate power in the universe i find your lack of faith disturbing it's against my programming to impersonate a deity. that's not how the force works force is with me and i am with the force and i fear nothing remember the force will be with you always
0: Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today we are discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 7, Chapter 15, The Believer. Joining me tonight on the panel is Angela Cialana.
1: Hey, uh, Father, um, I was absent last week and everyone else was here <laughs> and now we kind of flipped it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other the other three are unable to join us. And so I figure they're just resting up for the explosive season finale. Yeah.
1: So, oh, yeah, that's it.
0: That, <laughs> that's yeah, that's my take on it. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's good to have you and we're going to have a, a great discussion this evening. Before we jump into The Mandalorian, though, there is quite a bit of news that I just wanted to kind of briefly oh my uh, goodness. hit yes, and, and get your thoughts on, and, and we'll <sighs> wait and get the others', the others thoughts later. But uh, Disney uh, announced a number of TV shows and a couple of movies that are coming out in the next few years. So I'm just going to kind of roll through them and then get your kind of general thoughts on it. They hey, announced uh, two... TV shows that are going to be set more or less during the time frame of The Mandalorian, an Ahsoka spin-off show, and a show called Rangers of the New Republic. Um, they mentioned the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, of course, which is in production, and it's going to be set 10 years post Revenge of the Sith. And exciting news, Hayden Christensen is going to be back as Darth Vader.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: uh Andor the the casting Andor prequel show uh to Rogue One is going to be sort of a spy thriller and I think that's coming in like 2022 so that's that's still in the works there's a new one called Star Wars Visions this is going to be sort of a short episode films in kind of an anime style uh someone online referenced uh sort of like maybe Halo Legends where you have little little short kind of anime kind of stories Uh, The Acolyte, this one has my attention. It's going to be set at the end of the High Republic era, and those novels that are going to deal with the High Republic era are going to debut in January, or start Mm -hmm. to come out in January. This is going to be a mystery thriller set in a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers. So we'll get back to that. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Bad Batch, of course, we already knew about this one. Uh, for kind of a continuation of the Clone Wars. So that I think should be coming sooner than later, but there was no firm uh, release date for that. A Lando series, Mm -hmm.
1: which sounds
0: interesting. Uh, (laughs) I'm hoping for Donald Glover, but he wasn't confirmed. They also announced a droid story, which would focus on R2-D2 and C-3PO alongside a new hero. And then they had two movies that are in production First one being Rogue Squadron, which will release Christmas of 2023. This film uh, will be about a new generation of fighter pilots as they earn their wings, according to Kennedy, risking their lives in a future era of the galaxy. And then finally, we also heard of Taika Watiti's movie. Um, really didn't get anything on content there other than it's likely going to be after Rogue Squadron for release and that it's going to be fresh, unexpected and unique.
1: I think we could have guessed those <laughs> adjectives <laughs> just from the director, right?
0: If you've ever seen a uh, Thor Ragnarok, yes, you're that's that's <laughs>
1: totally him. Uh, so, thoughts? Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's overwhelming, isn't <laughs> it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just the sheer amount of new content.
0: It totally yeah. reminded me of of like when Marvel announced like all the various shows mm-hmm. that were going to connect, like Phase One, Two, Three, Four. I think this might be like phase 1 of the disney era star wars
1: yeah i know just kind of I ignore like... the
0: ignore the sequel trilogy and this is kind of their <laughs> their <laughs> phase 1
1: just make, I need a chart, right? Just to like keep everything straight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I, I love the fact that we're getting an Ahsoka series. Wow. That was, I think people were kind of, you know, guessing that it was going to happen because of the Rosario Dawson, um, casting and confirmation, obviously that we got recently. Um, but you know, just knowing that we're going to get, a whole series with her and um, that it's going to be set in this time period of, of the Mandalorian is really exciting um, mm-hmm. because everyone loves Ahsoka, right? And we've been wondering, you know, what in the world has she been doing? Um, it's almost like Carmen Sandiego. You know, where <laughs> in the galaxy is Ahsoka Tano? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, so that is very exciting. The um, The Rangers series, I don't know about. I mean, I... they since I don't know anything about really the plot of it or the characters, I mean, I guess we could maybe assume Cara Dune might show up um, now that she's a, a ranger, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know about having another se- series sort of spinning off of, of the Mandalorian. I kind of feel like, you know, one would have been plenty. Um, but uh, that being said, I'm, I'm, I won't, Complain about it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. new Star Wars. Um, I am very excited about the the Casting Andor series. Um, I you know I I love the sizzle reel that they um, that they showed for that series. Uh, it looks like they're already getting things ready Uh, even i was surprised to see neil scanlon was saying we're treating this in the creature shop Ah. just like we would with the films and that is so neat to think about um so and everybody was wearing masks you know so obviously this was happening (laughs) recently all these little things that they were preparing um but it's very exciting to think about um just you know learning more about him um and learning more about that time period from sort of on the ground perspective um i'm excited that it's that a, exciting
0: it's a spy thriller kind of feel yes yeah so like we're so gonna be maybe... we're gonna get like genres of of film that we haven't seen in star wars and exactly that is that is exciting to me
1: yeah yeah and and i am um I am a little, you know, um, intrigued by the the Vision series as well because of the anime um, mm-hmm. format that they that they uh, hinted at. And, you know, Dave Filoni has had a lot of background with the anime genre. And so I'm wondering if he's going to be involved with that at all. Um, and, you know, or if he's going to be, you know, Im- influential just in the direction that the show goes in and, um, you know, whether artistically or storyline wise. But um, that's going to be really, really interesting as well. Um, and, you know, like you said, the accolade, uh, you know, just yeah. the whole concept. It's it's tantalizing for those of us who are kind of like church nerds. So, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> It and, and I, I find it appealing. I mean, there, there's that aspect of it, but I like to get in the minds of villains because mm-hmm. i want to know how they work and of course i think secretly deep down i'm i'm rooting for a like how do we redeem this character mm. uh you know but but there's also and maybe maybe this is just the 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 science fantasy kind of realm it's also just fun i think to kind of follow the villains and figure out how they think and mm-hmm. how they work and what they what they do so i think the acolyte is is I suspect maybe we'll get like Darth Plagueis and kind of the, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would be that, that era. This is Mm -hmm. roughly the end of the high Republic. So yeah, I mean, so the, the, the beginnings of, of the Darth Sidious kind of future.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they saw the fans, a real interest in dark disciple, the novel. And, um, you know, that sort of had that, uh, you know, get inside the mind of, the dark side, um, part of it, of the, the, the story of, of the novel. Um, and I wonder if Disney was like, Hmm, maybe we can, you know, um, capitalize on that and you know just of course you know with as you as you said you know the the time period um is is interesting a lot of fans have been asking for this time period as well the really geeky ones have anyway (laughs) so (laughs) Yeah. yeah so it's all just really exciting and yeah overwhelming but you know it's great that we get to um pay Disney this amount of money that we're paying them and knowing that they're <laughs> going to give us all the, these goodies um, so I'm very happy
0: yeah yeah because I, I think I mean all of them are heading straight to Disney Plus uh, yeah. Rogue Squadron would I suspect have a theatrical release that would as as would Taika Waititi's but that's not for another that's three years
1: yeah so hopefully we're we've got movie theaters back up and running uh, by that yeah. time period
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so, so yeah, there, there's a lot of exciting stuff there. I think I am definitely most excited for Ahsoka and the Acolyte were kind of my my top two uh, things that I'm excited about. The one that I was sort of expecting that didn't happen, because it did kind of pop up in the rumors, is there's not a Boba Fett spinoff.
1: Mm, mm-hmm, true.
0: Which I guess I'm okay with it, because there's not a, necessarily a story there that I want told even though I'd love more boba fett whereas a yeah, think... there's we want to know where thrawn is and we want to you know follow that story and there's there's story to tell boba fett yeah I want more but I guess I don't want it as much
1: I feel like we're getting it right now with The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're getting a lot of yep. story that we, you know, obviously we hoping was was going to happen um, or be revealed. And now we're we're getting a lot of mm-hmm. Boba Fett. And who knows how long he'll be on the show?
0: Yeah, which, I mean, that's a good point. I was, I was expecting him to be a one-off character, just like most every other character. We haven't seen Ahsoka back at all. I right. doubt we'll see her in the finale. Yeah. But we're guaranteed to see Boba Fett in the finale because he's part mm-hmm. of the team. Yeah, there's there's some very, very exciting and awesome stuff coming, coming our way. So listeners, definitely, if you got any opinions, let us know. We'd love to hear what you're most excited for. And uh, of course, we will be covering all of this on the podcast. So we'll be diving into to all of them. So so stay tuned for for all of that goodness in the next few years. Coming back to The Mandalorian, Chapter 15, The Believer. The names are, the names of these episodes are still incredibly <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, what'd you, what'd you think of the episode?
1: Oh, it was, um, I loved it, obviously. Um, I, I really enjoyed the character development that we got with Din, um, as well as I was surprised at how much I appreciated Migs Mayfeld coming <laughs> back and, yes. and liking him as much as I ended up liking him, um at the end. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, it was, it was really interesting to sort of have the tables turned as far as, you know, we were happy to see the TIE fighters (laughs) coming in. And and I feel like I've never been on that side before. Um, so as a star Wars fan, so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of really neat aspects to this episode.
0: (laughs) I had to do like a bit of a self check, like when I saw the stormtroopers, <laughs> that, that yes and no, all, all at the same time. And I had to like rationalize it and think about it later and think, man, if this was like just a normal sort of you're rooting for the good guys, we would have been rooting for the pirates.
1: Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: To, yeah, to, to kind of <laughs> Yeah. To, uh, uh, Rick uh Femu Femuyiwa? I'm Fem- sorry. Ewa, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he directed this and wrote it uh with John Favreau, but
1: mm-hmm. he
0: did he did a really good job of kind of turning the tables yes. on that, which was unexpected. I will say my biggest complaint of the episode. This was the first episode without Grogu in the entire show. I
1: know. I know. Yeah. Uh, I miss that guy. But... <laughs> <laughs> the, the
0: the little green guy.
1: Yeah. But it makes yeah. sense. Right. Oh, totally, Obviously. Totally. Story, so.
0: Well, and I mean, it, it totally makes it makes you feel for Din all the more because just, just as much as we're missing Grogu, he's more so missing Grogu. Yeah.
1: He's the motivation for all mm-hmm. the characters, really. Mm-hmm. Um, on on our side, as far as you know, who we're watching.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah i I thought it was a I thought it was a good episode. It's a the the penultil, penultimate episodes are always a bit tricky because mm-hmm. it's it's always it's always a, a setup for the finale. So there, there's you know, obviously we want <laughs> we want the conclusion of the story, which is still coming, or the. The finale to set up season three yes so to jump into the episode we start off on the carth chop fields so this is apparently where the new republic sends their inmates to serve their time it's basically a junk field with old kind of imperial equipment you could see kind of tie fighters there uh just a, a junkyard that the inmates are are Repurposing or breaking down these these old abandoned crashed uh, vehicles, and we see Mayfield. He's he's out there working, and so this droid comes and tells him that he has been more or less he's been reassigned to Marshal Marshal Dune's custody, and so Mayfield <laughs> hesitantly goes with 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 Car Dune. Uh,
1: yes, and may I point out that. His They kept repeating his prisoner number, Mm -hmm. 34667, right, over and over again. So I was like, dude, this has to be something, right? (laughs) So I did some digging. Okay. And 34667 is the zip code of Pasco County, Florida, which I found out was originally where Walt Disney wanted Disney World to be. (laughs) However, this is a very interesting story. However, the locals uh, went to court over the eminent domain situation because um, they didn't want to lose their land uh, to, to Disney World. And um, the locals were actually led by a German immigrant who was a dissenter of the Nazi regime. And in court, he passionately testified that, you know, in Germany, the government just did whatever they wanted to do and they took whatever they wanted to take. And it seems like Florida is doing the same thing. And so that was kind of like the crux or the the the. The nail in the coffin for Walt Disney World being in this zip code. So um I thought that was a really interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's why they <laughs> chose this number, but I just found that connection and I thought, hey, you know, Disney World, Nazis, Star Wars, it kind of all goes it, together. It, so
0: it, it does. Yeah. I yeah. well and I I wondered if there was something unique about that number too. And I didn't look into it, so that's that's a fascinating connection. I did look up um, his TK number, mm. <laughs> TK five nine three. That was that was what uh, later on uh, Mayfield says is is din's D- TK number.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't find anything other than Turkish Airlines flight five ninety
1: three. <laughs> so yikes!
0: I don't I don't know yeah. if there's anything there, but it's it's obviously not Turkish Air. <laughs> So, so yeah, so uh, Mayfield, of course, is basically forcibly reassigned to, to, to go with, with Cara Dune and they head over to Slave 1 and we get our first view of Boba Boba Fett in his cleaned up and repainted armor,
1: which was, which was, that was very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I've,
0: uh, I've seen some chatter online of people a bit grumpy about him being all cleaned up because they liked his really return of the or his uh, original trilogy look the the kind of weathered yeah. look. i thought it was great and uh, there was there was a commentator online who pointed out that perhaps he cleaned it up because he was wanting to sort of uh clean up it's because Cobb vanth had it for a while Mm. And the, the scars on the armor weren't from Boba Fett, if they were from mm. Cobb. So he might have been, you know, repainting it and refinishing it uh, to kind of reclaim it as his own. So I thought that I like was a that. good way to kind of headcanon why he felt he needed to, to repaint it. Sure. Uh, either way, yeah, he looked, he looked really good. And we get an encounter with, with Mayfield and Din, who they haven't seen each other since Din locked them up on the, the prison ship. Mayfield has did some... you go
1: back and, and watch that episode after seeing this.
0: <laughs> no, but it was on my list. I, I, yeah. it was one of my favorite, uh, episodes in season one. And I don't know why, but it's, it's the whole heist turned like alien versus predator. Right. Which, yeah, I don't know why I liked it so well, but I did really like it, but it mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's on my list, but I just, I, I didn't have time today to, to go back to it. Did you? Look go back to I it. I
1: did. Yeah, I did have some time, so I thought, why not? Um I want to see if there was any connections. And yeah, there were there actually were, but I'll bring them up when they're when they're relevant. But um yeah, I thought that was so funny that he was like really Yeah, I, I loved Bill Burr's <laughs> acting in yes. this episode as well. I was impressed with it. Um and you could just see from his his physical demeanor was like oh my gosh there he is
0: (laughs) well and when he sees boba fett he's like oh gosh i thought for a second you were you were another this other guy and then the other guy walks down the ramp (laughs) and of course mayfield thinks that din is there to kill him not ask for his help but they're there to, to to get his help and i loved uh bill burr's just comedic tone You know, Mm -hmm. he's a comedian, but, but he would, I mean, some of the, the dialogue or the, the, some of it was, was almost like when they were both in the juggernaut talking, it almost felt awkward, but it was, it was kind of a comedic awkward. And yeah, he, he played it really well.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So they, they get on slave one and they, they need, they need uh, Mayfield because he's a former Imperial and he knows Imperial clearances and protocol. And so they want, of course, coordinates for Moff Gideon's cruiser and, Ma- or and uh, Mayfield definitely has, if he doesn't have a history with Moff Gideon, he at least knows of mm-hmm. Moff Gideon because he is initially very, very against helping. And, and uh, basically until they tell him that, that they, they have Grogu and they, they need his help. And basically, <laughs> Carr is like, well... What you get out of this is a better view than what you <laughs> than what you currently get, so basically just help and that's and that's all you can do it's it's gonna help him just uh enjoy enjoy things a little bit better than on on the in the junk field mm-hmm so they need to find an internal Imperial terminal, which is the the setup for the plot of the episode. They have to go to Mor- Morak, which uh, Morak, Morak yeah. which which has a a secret Imperial mining hub, which Mayfield thinks that he can get to an internal Imperial terminal to get the location of Moff Gideon's Imperial cruiser for Din.
1: So to uh, refresh my memory, I went to Wikipedia and I looked up Morak, mm-hmm. and um. So I didn't remember this, but apparently there's a creature in Star Wars called a Morak. But also, um, (laughs) when I was searching off of Wikipedia, I found a Star Trek reference. (laughs) So shout out to all the Trekkies out there. Um, That Morak was a Klingon warrior who participated in a quest to find the Klingon savior. Oh. So I thought that was interesting because you know it's like christmas time you know sort of <laughs> advent you know um but also yeah i think i kind of i kind of see grogu now as sort of like almost like like a jesus infant jesus sort of like type in mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. um because he has these special powers and he's really like you know he's the the one that you know, Din's trying to take care of. Um, I think we had a listener. Did we have a listener email us and say that this was kind of like, um, I know we had someone say that this was like Saint Christopher carrying, yeah. um, Jesus. Jesus, yep. Um, so yeah, so I guess I had that in my head too, but um, so when I heard about Morak and who he was in Star Trek, I thought that was kind of. I don't know. Neat. I don't know if it was intentional, but
0: cool. probably not. But it's a it's a cool coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they so there's this this refinery on Mor- uh, Morak, and they're mining rhydonium, which has ties to other. Uh, I think it was introduced in the Clone Wars, and I yes. I don't. I don't think I've seen that specific episode, but it's but this volatile and unstable. Uh, compound is not new to the Star Wars universe, so they are going to this this uh refinery for Rhydonium and and of course there's anti aircraft and imperial forces protecting it, which naturally the imperial the empire would have that, so they have to go in for a closer look and then develop a plan to infiltrate uh the refinery so the plan is is Mayfield needs to get in, but there was some back and forth on who was going to go with. Mayfield and they were uh, very intentionally I felt setting up this whole the whole notion of <laughs> essentially Din is going to be the one to go with them but how is Din going right. to do it and how is he going to maintain his his uh cover and not expose his face so that was that was definitely a recurring theme and they they set it up here because first of all it suggested that Cara go with them but she's new republic and so mm-hmm. the ISB would flag her. And um, for those of you who aren't aware, the ISB would be the Imperial Security Bureau. This is essentially the Empire's secret police. Uh, Agent Callus in Star Wars Rebels was was an ISB mm-hmm. officer.
1: Good so callback.
0: was so was Colonel Ullaren. I think in uh, the Thrawn trilogy books, I, and, and he probably shows up in Rebels as well, but. Either way, think of them as the Empire's secret service or secret police. Um, Mm -hmm. Kara can't go because she would be immediately flagged by the ISB. And Fennec can't go because she's also (laughs) wanted by the Empire. No surprise there. And um, Fett can't go because, quote, they might recognize his face. Unquote. <laughs> Which, of course, he's he's a clone. That was great. So uh, <laughs> that face would be easily recognizable. <laughs> and so Din decides that he is going to go. And so that's where they set up the whole. Well, how are you going to go without your armor? And how are you going to go without showing your face? So Din sees w- this transport vehicle called a juggernaut and notices that there are troopers driving it who are fully enclosed in armor and so they decide to to hijack one of those and din is going to uh steal one of the the armor of one of the the troopers and and wear the armor and so mayfield also puts on one of the armor suits cuz they 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 drop into this kind of tunnel and they they hijack the juggernaut and i think kara has probably one of the best lines in the entire episode right here where she's looking at din in the the imperial trooper outfit the armor and she said, "I wish I could say it looks good on you, but I'd be lying." <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, yep, totally agree with you there." Mandalorian yeah, it was armor almost so much like better.
1: it uh, made you nervous, right, to see like I guess the bag that he was carrying was like, "That's all his armor." <laughs> yeah. It's like, "Here you go," just handing it over to somebody. Like, yeah. "Take good care of this." It was really nerve-wracking, but also what I appreciated about that scene was that Mayfeld is like, oh, this guy reeked. His (laughs) gloves are still wet. And that totally just answers, like, what we've all been thinking. Like, you know, because this is a constant thing in Star Wars, where you get rid of some stormtroopers and you take their (laughs) armor and you put it on, and you never really are, like, shown, like, them actually putting it on and being like, hey, this guy smelled, you know, but... Mm -hmm you know that it's gotta happen, right? So yeah. I thought this was a, a great very Star Wars, you know, comedy, um but it also sort of addressed that ongoing theme in Star Wars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and maybe not to get um too uh meta here, but there there's and and maybe it'll go back to even what you were going to talk about too with Din's character growth. But um I mean, he's I know this might sound cheesy, but he's lower. He's letting go of his armor. I mean, mm-hmm. in a physical sense, but also, I mean, his his path here has been a removing of his of his armor and being more vulnerable with with Grogu, but also with 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 Cara, with I mean, even with Mayfield. I mean, he's he's trusting him more than he would have last season. So th- there's a there's a visual and a and a uh, I don't know metaphorical level parallel going on here with that armor because when he wears the trooper armor, he just kind of looks awkward
1: <laughs> and vulnerable. Yeah. And he is vulnerable, which we yep. see when he's he's fighting those pirates. He's not used to having cheap armor. He's <laughs> used to having Beskar. And yes, I mean, oh my goodness, this whole I mean really the whole um, show you know we've seen piece by piece that Din has you know um, grown into the person that that he's become because he's had to be more vulnerable and you Mm -hmm. know uh, break some not really break some deals but in a sense like doing things that he wasn't expecting to happen and you know, just thinking about what we know about his his backstory and his upbringing um, the fact that he you know came from a situation that was very traumatic, that was, um, very, you know, it, it, it was unexpected, you know, that his village was, um, I I guess destroyed. I don't know, it was definitely attacked and he lost his family um and he was taken into this new, you know, completely new community of people and had to be brought up in a completely new, you know, environment, and situation and creed yep. and everything. So you think about what this armor really means to him and the fact that he has worn something like it for almost his entire life and he is now just handing he's gotten to the point as a character where he's able to just hand it over to somebody Mm -hmm. that says a lot
0: yeah well and it and it's i mean it's because of grogu it's because of his 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 relationship there and his fatherly kind of desires and instincts to protect grogu is what's causing him to to be vulnerable and to yeah. Do things that he would have never have considered before. Not not immoral, but but maybe as Mayfield kind of points out, maybe it's not exactly in line with the creed that he thought he had to adhere to, mm-hmm. uh, which and is also
1: just that feeling of safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, because when you come from a traumatic background, you want to be in a safe situation, yep. you want to know what's going on. And so that's what I was kind of getting at is like, you know, you go from that you know traumatic situation into a very structured Mandalorian Children of the Watch situation, where you you go by the book, you know, and he was a bounty hunter, and you go by the book. And now he you know, th- we've caught him at a place in his story where he's not going by the book you know he has to really make up things as as they go Mm -hmm. you know but as you're saying it's because of who he loves
0: really yep yep and i'm sure if the the dads on the show if they were here they would they would (laughs) agree and and concur that i mean as a parent i can only imagine that you know you you got to just kind of make things up as you go. I don't, you know, they, they, I've heard all the, the analogies of you try to, you have the book, but you know, (laughs) no child comes with an instruction manual, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, he's, he's learning, he's learning how to, to, uh, I mean, basically share his life because if he's, if he's going to stay in, in the Mandalorian child, child of the watch kind of way, that's a very isolated solo sort of existence. And when he encountered mm. Grogu in season one, that changed everything because he became this clan of two and yeah. that's tying into, to what goes on in this episode. In fact, he does something that, that I didn't expect at all. And I don't mm. think he expected to do it at all. And yet he does it out of that love for, for wanting to, to get Grogu back. Um, you also mentioned his, kind of his uh traumatic origins and i i wondered um just coming up when they're passing through that village right they really make a point of of din noticing the the young young i i would say i mean young
1: boy. Young, young boy yeah, yeah. i
0: i wasn't i wasn't sure exactly how old he was but they i felt that he was connecting his situation to um his own situation as a child when he was uh you know, uh, uh, well, when his village was attacked. So I, they didn't really do anything with that, but, um, I don't know. Maybe, I, I guess that would probably show at least empathy there that he was, he was recognizing that these villagers might have been in the same position that he was when he was a child.
1: Right. I think it ties into the dialogue that they have, but I guess we'll get into that in a bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's coming up here just real, actually that's kind of exactly where we are because i because once they get in the juggernaut uh yeah. mayfield uh pilots it out and uh there are this is where some of the awkward small talk that i was talking about earlier where mayfield <laughs> keeps commenting on on din's helmet and he, right. you know, Mayfield takes his own helmet off and basically says, I don't see, I don't understand how you guys could do this. And I mean, you Mandalorians and, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: you know, they, they keep bringing this up. And so they're foreshadowing what's coming. And of course, Din is not even going to engage in that conversation.
1: And also, I think it was bare looking back because I did watch uh, chapter six: The prisoner were, were were introduced in Mayfeld, and in rewatching that, when the whole crew is kind of first on the Razor Crest and they're talking, uh, Mayfeld starts really um teasing Mando to take his helmet off. Oh, we are you a Gungan under there? You know, you said I don't want to show your face. And and so I think it was very intentional that they brought that particular character of Mayfeld back into this situation mm-hmm. where Din has to show his face because it was he was the guy who was constantly going at him about wearing the helmet.
0: And that's a fascinating character growth there too because mayfield by the end of it is not the same mayfield that we saw in season one right i mean you uh you i trust that mayfield's gonna keep din secret
1: mm-hmm. but I in season
0: too. in season one i would have thought no way yeah you know so really so so yeah there, there's some some really really good character growth going on um we have uh, before we get to kind of the some of the other more deeper philosophical conversations that they have, they uh, they drive by some uh, juggernauts that have already been <laughs> destroyed, which is a bit unnerving. Uh, yeah. And then they they kind of hear that one of the juggernauts is running hot, which clues us all into the fact that Rhydonium is unstable and so they can't go super fast and they can't, you know, cause it to to bounce around in the back too much, otherwise it's likely to explode. So that's setting up for the the drama that's coming. And then that's when they they drive through that village and Din sees the the young boy and sees a, a reflection of himself. And then Mayfield gets into gets into some philosophy here when he's talking about. Uh, they, I mean, they they kind of reference that village, and and Mayfield makes the comment that to them it doesn't matter if they're Imperial or New Republic; they're just invaders on their land. And essentially, you know, somewhere in the galaxy, someone is ruling, and others are being ruled.
1: Yeah, that's very Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we've seen that uh, dichotomy between the sort of the indigenous people, the native people and, um, the invaders, right. Uh, constantly in star Wars. Um, I guess everyone's familiar with the, um, uh, return of the Jedi, you know, the, the Ewoks and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, fighting against the empire. And that was very intentional by George Lucas, you know, to, to, um, to mirror the Vietnam war, um, And so throughout even Clone Wars, I think we've talked about this a couple of times with the theme of going, you know, the Native people and and their ways versus the invaders and and whoever they are, you know, and and, and their ways. Um, So, yeah, I thought that was very Star Wars, but it does also set up um, Mayfeld's interior struggle, I think, with his past.
0: Which will come to the forefront here in just a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, he he basically kind of sets up the that the Empire and the New Republic are more or less the same thing because they're both they're both or they've both ruled and they're ruling over people. Mm -hmm. And I think as a as a Star Wars fan, I mean, that that kind of uh, is a bit unsettling because you want to think, well, the New Republic is the good guys and the Empire is the bad guys, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and he's making the point that, I mean, ultimately, if if. If they're just kind of uh, I mean yeah, invaders and oppressors and i and I think Mayfield i don't know it uh, there there is a a right way to rule and govern, and there is a mm, wrong sure. way to rule and govern, and of course, the empire mm. has no mercy and is ruthless in their pursuit of order, and that's the the wrong way to rule, whereas the new republic, I don't quite know enough about them, but I wouldn't say that they're perfect by any means but Sure. They're 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 definitely not as ruthless as the Empire, but you know, Mayfield is just kind of stating things as he sees them and I mean he's a prisoner for the new republic, so he sees them as oppressors too, which there's a droid with a electric shock stick <laughs> kind of keeping me in line, I'd feel the same way.
1: Yeah. Makes you think.
0: Yeah. But I mean, yeah, at the end he he uh, I mean I don't think he's gonna become New Republic, but he's definitely not pro empire. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also makes the point there as they're talking, uh, he tries to compare himself to Din and says that they're both survivors and and Din gets all offended and, and says that, no, he's not like him. And Mayfield points out that he said that your rules start to change when you get desperate. And then he makes this really insightful comment. He says, you know, if you uh, is it that you can't take off your Mandalorian helmet or you can't show your face? And he says there's mm-hmm. a difference between the two of those. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "Everyone has their lines that they don't cross until things get messy." Right. I thought that was a, a insightful comment. Uh, you know, I think Din is going to have to feel out where that line is for him. And I mean, there is there. I mean, at least from from my perspective, there, there's got to be that moral line that should never be crossed. And of course, in Star Wars, that gets a bit blurred with <laughs> all the, all the all the killing that goes on. You know, but uh, but he's pointing out to Mando that, I mean, he is crossing lines that he wouldn't have crossed before because he's he's, uh, I mean, desperate to save Grogu.
1: Yeah, I think um, this is sort of a conflict or a, I don't know, a tension that any person in any kind of belief system has to encounter for themselves. You know, what is my line? Um, and what is the point of what I believe and what I practice? Right. Um, and I think we've been seeing how Din, you know, I mean, he just found out that some people think that his, his community is a cult, like a religious (laughs) zealot cult. Right. And, um, and, I'm sure that shook him. Um, And, you know, slowly we've seen him accept Bo-Katan as a fellow Mm -hmm. Mandalorian. We've seen him accept Boba Fett as a fellow Mandalorian. And neither of them have been exactly what Din would have originally expected a Mandalorian to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so throughout these episodes, we've seen his... You know, his wrestling with all of this. Right. And and what what is it that that is important to me? And why am I saying, you know, this is the way like what what is the way? Um, And we know very little. Like we haven't really heard him like recite a creed or, you know, we haven't been clued in as far as exactly what the rituals and practices and so forth are for the Children of the Watch. But um, but we kind of have an idea that he is, you know, going through these these situations with a lot of trepidation. Of you know, is it okay for me to do this? Um, Really, kind of. It's amazing how the actors are portraying, you know, that thoughtfulness even behind the helmet. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, this whole conversation. It goes to anyone who has been in that that kind of situation where you have to to figure out, you know, ultimately the exterior choices that we make, um, the exterior rituals that we go through, you know, the different practices that we have. Ultimately, they have a point, you know, and in Christianity, we would say that it's service of God and neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately. Um, And so Din is figuring that out mm-hmm. right
0: well and i think i i was trying to to maybe figure out who the believer was and i and i think it's very much din and i think mm-hmm. it's mayfield too
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: but i think din's path here is is yeah totally exactly what you're saying and and it can be easily uh use the analogy of just a child growing up in say christianity where you know as a child i didn't understand what was going on, it was mom and dad like, okay, we're going to church on Saturday and, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to kneel. You're going to follow along in the book. And, you know, and I just did it without, without understanding it. I did it because I was told, Mm
1: -hmm. you
0: know, but as we grow older, then we start to say, well, let's, let's ask questions. Let's learn more. You know, St. Anselm uh, talks about just faith seeking understanding, Mm-hmm. You know, so like so Din is kind of in that like he's finally recognizing that there's a larger culture, a larger belief on what it means to be Mandalorian than what he initially knew. And so he's exploring that. And I think deepening that that believer in himself on what a Mandalorian really is in the same way that someone who is growing up in the Christian faith would deepen their own belief in asking those questions and seeking understanding and uh it's not it's not something that we just have to accept and shut up and you know mm-hmm. that's it we just have to follow the rules no like in in catholic, in our catholic faith we're encouraged to ask questions and to right. to seek a deeper understanding and that's that's what's that's what's beautiful about it is it's <laughs> that's why yeah. you know it's 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 yeah it's there's a lot of really good parallels happening here
1: So for example, um, I was thinking, okay, why would the children of the watch have this whole thing of like keeping your helmet on? Right. So I sort of went through that thought exercise and I was thinking, well, okay, if they have these small coverts, mm, keeping your helmet on, um, for a lot of foundlings, maybe a lot of people in the covert maybe foundlings, um, Perhaps it's a way to sort of create the sense of equality among the members. Like you're not just this guy from this planet and I'm from this other planet, but we're all in this together. So creating that sense of unity and also obviously, you know, for safety, right? So if you have a past or if somebody might know you or your, I don't know, your plant, your species, whatever, to just you know, keep your face covered and um, keep your secrecy. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, so those were the kind of things that I went, I thought, um, as we were going through this episode of, you know, okay, well, why would they have that? And then sort of, I kind of wanted to go in the screen and be like, hey, Din, it's okay that you're doing this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's insightful. And taking off the helmet, I think doesn't yeah, it doesn't make him any less of a Mandalorian or I, I think that just again, I think it just shows his growth in character at that point. Um yep. you know, so and we'll we'll get to that. Uh, because he's he's not there yet. Right now he's just gotten to the point where he's comfortable wearing a trooper <laughs> helmet and <laughs> he isn't willing to take it off just yet. Uh so they have this this uh philosophical kind of conversation and that's when things start to get absolutely crazy. Uh, they see explosions and hear over the comms that two of the other juggernauts that were taking the Rhydonium both are destroyed. And that's when we have this, this very intense scene with the pirates that approach the juggernaut and they are attempting to, to detonate the Rhydonium. And <laughs> Din still shows some impressive fighting, even without his yes. his normal weapons and his normal armor. He begins by kind of shooting some of the pirates off the ship, and <laughs> I loved Mayfield's uh, comment where he's yelling at uh, yelling at Mando. He's like, "You should have left me in prison." <laughs> as they're trying to get away. Uh, I was surprised by the amount of pirates that kept coming.
1: Yes, it was awesome. It was like <laughs> a few pirates, and then they turn into like a dozen you or know. more. They just—they all have thermal detonators too. <laughs>
0: They were obviously willing to die for their cause, I mean yeah. you know they they were they were fighting the the oppressive empire, of course, they're fighting Din and Mayfield, which we know are are not the empire, but from the pirates perspective they're they're attacking this this oppressor, and they're willing to die for that cause which,
1: and they know what Rhydonium can do to yeah. when it's used as a weapon, so they want to get rid of it as yep. soon as they can.
0: Yeah, so we have this whole fight sequence. In runs out of ammo with his blaster. Um, I thought it was kind of comical how it like clicks when he's when he runs <laughs> yeah. out of ammo. Like it's a laser, it's a blaster. I didn't know it would make the clicking. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so then he goes to hand to hand combat, which again he is just he is just really good at it. I was mm-hmm. I was really surprised, and of course they they kind of keep keep chasing them and Din keeps throwing them off the, the 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 transport and it leads up to the final kind of sprint to the to the refinery where the, they approach the bridge and there was a, it's a really kind of funny scene where Din you can just tell he is exhausted and he's fought off a bunch yeah. of pirates <laughs> and there's like like I don't know a bunch more still coming and so like he right. kind of like props himself up and like kind of holds his hands out like he's going to box them like that's going to do anything against a thermal detonator and that's when the the tie fighters show up and and take out take out the pirates and the the stormtroopers also come and and take out the pirates and where i find found myself completely surprised by <laughs> my thankfulness for the Your
1: sense of relief <laughs> <But> yes <laughs>
0: But but, even like Mayfield points it out, I think, as as kind of a yes. way to identify like with the audience like mm-hmm. <laughs> we 're cheering for the stormtroopers, so they do make it back to back to the hangar and into the refinery, and this was all, of course, just to get to a computer uh, terminal. <laughs> Like, yep.
1: And I, I, when I had the subtitles on, I noticed that a lot of the stormtroopers were yelling "Glory to the Empire." <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. Well,
0: and you just get that sense even even later when we run into uh, Valen Hess. Like, mm-hmm. they are very much uh, fully in, in line with what the Empire believes, and they they fully they they think the Empire is is the the one thing to. To rule them all. I mean, like, so they they disembark in the hangar and they go look for a terminal. And so Mayfield leads them to the, the officer's mess. But Mayfield is unwilling to go in there because of his former commanding officer who's in there, Valen Hess.
1: Who, by the way, mm-hmm. I looked him up. Mm-hmm. Um, he was played by Richard Brake, who has been... He's played a Russian mobster before, and he's also been in two movies about Stalin. So okay. he fit this role pretty good. <laughs> well, and, I, and
0: I'm pretty sure both he and uh, Pedro Pascal were in Game of Thrones.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been tons of Game of Thrones actors in this series. Mm,
0: and he, I think he was a villain there, too. So he plays a, a very, very creepy yeah. villain. Uh, in, a, in a good sense, but like he, <laughs> I was uncomfortable anytime yes. that he was like <laughs> asking brown eyes to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, another point on his name, Valen, uh, Valen Hess. Uh, I don't know. I guess I immediately thought of in, in the Legends universe, there's a character named Val- Valen Horn, uh, mm-hmm. who was a Jedi in the post return of the jedi uh stories but it was spelled the same way pronounced differently mm-hmm. i doubt that there's actually a connection there but other than other than it was the same the same kind of first name so mayfield sees him refuses to go in adamantly refuses to go in and this sets up the the drama of well what's din going to do because of course he's not going to he's not going to back down at this point in the game And he has to go in there, but the terminal has to scan their face in order to work, which was kind of interesting. I wasn't (laughs) entirely buying that Um, because it uh, like apparently it scanned your face, but it I don't know if it like identifies you or not, because it it allowed to access the information.
1: It's sort of like that. That spam thing you have to go through like proves <laughs> that you're not New Republic. You it's know? a like, Pick all of the ladders in this.
0: <laughs> find find all the stoplights in this picture. Yeah.
1: It's <sighs> kind of like that.
0: You know, maybe that's, maybe that's a really good way for me to think about this. Because, I mean, I was wondering, like, is it just making sure that he's human? Because I know at least in, in and I'm assuming it's in canon, but in the Legends books... And I'm pretty sure it's canon too. Like the emp- the emperor was just against aliens in general, so mm-hmm. like all of except for maybe Thrawn, all of the the persons in authority were all human. So I know he had a very mm-hmm. anti alien bias. So I I just my initial thought was well maybe it's just checking to see if he's human, but I think maybe your your thought on the capture might 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 be a little <laughs> bit better. Um, but either way, that's a, that's jumping a little bit ahead. But Din Din makes the decision that he has to go in there. And he has to be the one to operate the terminal because Mayfield is not. And, of course, the only way to do it is for him to take off his helmet. Which is the only time since season one we have seen (laughs) Pedro Pascal's face in this show.
1: I wonder if they did a deal in the contract like, once per season, (laughs) you must actually be on set. (laughs) Oh. But it was like, it's kind of shocking every time we see his face, Mm -hmm. which... I think that's kind of part of the the um, anticipation that we yep. have, right, yep. for this, these moments.
0: I mean, and I have to say that I I was glad that he wasn't near death when his helmet was removed because yeah. he actually he, he looked a lot better than he did when uh, IG Eleven <laughs> had to take off his helmet. Yeah. Um, but so so yeah, so he he has to take off his helmet. He the terminal scans his face and he is able to locate Moff Gideon's Imperial Cruiser's coordinates, put them on a data stick that he has, and then, of course, again, chaos breaks loose because Valen Hess has, has noticed that something is off and approaches him, and he asks him for his designation, and we have this kind of back and forth. He he doesn't exactly know uh, what, to, what to say back, and then Mayfield finally... Bites the bullet and gets over his fear and comes in and kind of saves save the saves the day by pointing out or by lying by by saying that that Din is his commanding officer and that's where he calls him TK five nine three and that he himself was TK one eleven. Again, I don't think there's anything about those numbers that that related to anything. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, but I did wonder how he created those numbers in his head. Like, is there a, is there a number pattern that you know like that he would recognize or not recognize or
1: I think at this point they just kind of have to go through like all the TK numbers that have been revealed in canon and sort of be like <laughs> mm, don't pick any of these <laughs> but just kind of make up a number
0: <laughs> uh the only one that i remember is TK421 because that was that was the stormtrooper in in uh, a new hope on the, on the death star
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's kind of the famous one so then mayfield <laughs> says that they always called him brown eyes which was a great name and that apparently he lost his hearing on Tanab right cuz his vessel
1: lost pressure there
0: yeah yeah uh which causes Valen to then practically shout at him <laughs> And tells them that they're going to they're going to grab drinks together because he he said he recognizes them as the two troopers that that brought the successfully brought the Rhydonium back into into the refinery.
1: But we missed an office space reference mm. because before <laughs> uh, when we, <laughs> yeah. when they're going to like try to leave Valen uh Mayfeld is like, all right, let's go fill out those TPS reports, <laughs> <laughs> which which is a really famous yeah office space. um joke so <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: so they sit down to have their toast and Valen wants to to toast to something and Mayfield again kind of steps up and takes over the conversation and wants to toast to Operation Cinder which was quite an interesting uh reference mhm um I don't <sighs> Operation Cinder hasn't really been in anything prominent, at least not in the the TVs or the movies. Uh, But uh, it is basically the Galactic Empire had this, this plan uh, as a means of devastating Imperial planets as a contingency plan. If Emperor Palpatine died, so it was almost yeah. like um, I was doing a bit of background reading on it. It's appeared in, like, I think the Battlefront 2 video games. I think it's in some of the comics. Dr. Afra, I think, is it's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also in the um, Inferno Squad, the novel written by Christy Golden. Um, these This, this whole um, contingency plan by the Emperor, which was basically his way of saying if he died... He was going to enact this plan to devastate some Imperial worlds as a way of of basically punishing the Empire for not protecting him, but also like sort of culling away what was wrong with the Empire, which caused it to fail in the hopes that it would then be reborn, which is kind of... Mm-hmm. The, and that, that I think kind of plays out in the Aftermath trilogy, the novels, which mm-hmm. I've kind of read and kind of haven't read. But I know it plays into that because there's some Imperial officers um, who end up at the Battle of Jakku, which I think happens in that third Aftermath novel. Um, that's the, you, you see the result of the battle of Jakku in the force awakens with the star destroyer that's on the planet, but that battle was kind of the end officially of the empire. But there were some Imperial officers that were there that, um, I think escaped into the unknown regions and they became kind of the, the, the first,
1: the remnants yeah, of the empire.
0: Yeah. And, and, but it was like from them that the first order was, was born. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why you well so so Mayfield is wanting to toast Operation Cinder because it would have been it would have been something to say that would have appeased a true believer of the Empire that this is what was absolutely mm. necessary in mm-hmm. order to help the Empire become reborn, which mm-hmm. is which is I mean, Valen is 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 totally on board with it. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it's
1: kind of scary. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, I mean, so so there were a number of planets that were devastated by this operation. One of them is uh, Burnin Khan, which which Mayfield makes a reference to, which he was at, and that was also where where Valen was was at, where he he was making those decisions to destroy. Yeah, I mean, Valen it makes, ba- basically, makes you
1: wonder how how did he survive? Like, how did Mayfield mm-hmm. survive? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Great question. Maybe he's like Finn and kind of defected, but. Well, I mean that is a good question because even in like season one, he what he was former Imperial, maybe right. maybe, so th- he, maybe this he was definitely what...
1: left the Empire. Yeah, but he said I was there, mm-hmm. you know, and and from from how he describes it, you could tell that he very personally, you know, obviously he ends up killing Balonhas <laughs> <laughs> because yep. he's so upset because but you you know you can tell he actually saw like whole city destroyed Mm -hmm. and all these, you know, these guys that were with me, you know, they lost their lives. And, and so it's like, well, how did you survive? I just, yeah, I was wondering if they're ever going to reveal any of that story too. It
0: makes me wonder if that was the point where he left the empire. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, because that, I mean, yeah, how he reacts to all of this shows that, I mean, he, he did not see what happened as necessary for the greater good. As Valen was like, you know, it's a small sacrifice for the greater good.
1: Mm hmm. No. Which is very utilitarian. Yep. And that's. Yep. That's uh, a a moral.
0: Uh, philosophy. Uh, yeah. a more, uh, Yeah. A, a code of ethics or whatever that mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. basically says what is considered moral is that that what benefits the most people is what's moral. So. Right. So if I kill one person to save a billion, that's considered moral because you're doing what's going to benefit the most people. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Catholic moral thought, that wouldn't be moral because you're you're killing a person. So so, yeah, and, and and that's kind of just part and parcel of what the empire is is sort of founded on is this we're going to impose order, you know, for the greater good
1: mm-hmm
0: uh <laughs> this is also a a very uh handy harry potter reference too so uh this would have been uh uh more more uh book seven uh harry potter and the, the deathly hallows when you hear about albus dumbledore's story backstory with grindelwald they were they were having a similar debate about for the greater good and for the greater good actually became the mantra of grindelwald so Go go check those out if you're interested, but the Empire is also completely wrapped up in, in that and, and Valen is a is the face for it in this episode.
1: And can I just say that um, in our Slack chat before, before this recording, Don Bettinelli, the SQPN uh, executive director, was like, um, so I loved that Valen Hess had a Southern accent. And I was like, <laughs> I hated that because I'm from Texas, y'all. And there's a lot of stereotypes about us because of our history and of uh, and this is kind of one of them right that like oh like the confederacy still lives on blah 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 mm-hmm. um which you know i mean i know that that was essentially what was being referenced here but also with contemporary politics being what they are which i won't get into but um i think there was a little bit of that was a little bit of reasoning as to why that decision was made to give him a southern accent So anyways, (laughs) but it was a very interesting artistic choice, obviously, because in the past they've had British accents.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was still effectively creepy as a villain. Um, (laughs) I have to say, I mean, I I think of General Hux in his Mm -hmm. uh, specifically The Force Awakens when he's like commanding that entire army that's very Nazi like. Right, that British accent there is just uh, chilling, and I love I love British accents, but um, yeah. So right. either way, uh, <laughs> the, the Imperials here are very clearly on the wrong side, and and I really appreciate it. And this goes back to Mayfield's growth too, because he uh, Valen makes the point of you know, well, they they it was a small sacrifice for the greater good, but then Val or then uh, Mayfield makes the point. He says it depends on who you ask. You know, was it good for them, the the troopers who died, or was it good for their families? Was it good for the guys they served with? What about the civilians who died defending their homes? You know, and those are all the absolutely essential questions to ask. You know, and especially from a Catholic moral thought, that that's exactly why it wouldn't be considered moral. Is like the the troopers who were killed, the harm that it caused, even if there were maybe a theoretical greater good, so to speak, that was the result it wasn't good for those people and therefore it's not moral but from the empire's perspective it no it's it's necessary it's for the greater good mm-hmm. and you know and so i think it, this is showing mayfield's thought process on well maybe at one point he believed that but then he lived through this and has yep. asked those questions and is now on the side of no i don't think that that's, that's right and that's true
1: so going back to the title of the episode mm-hmm. right
0: Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um uh so Valen makes the point that they're of course going to uh they're going to outlast uh all of the, the 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 sacrifices that the new republic is in complete disarray and they the the empire continues to grow stronger. Kind of
1: yeah, debatable. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, he also makes the point, and I, this will tie in later on the in the episode. But he makes the point that the rhydonium that they Mayfield himself and in delivered mm-hmm. was going to create havoc that would make Burnin Khan pale by comparison. And I think that's exactly why Mayfield blows up the refinery by the end of the episode. So, and and he says an interesting thing. And again, I think it it points out the the whole mantra of the empire is he makes the point or he says Valen says. Everyone thinks they want freedom. What they really want is order. And when they realize that, they'll welcome us back with open arms. That's the Empire. Totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mayfield, of course, is not buying it anymore at all. And when Valen wants to make the toast to the Empire, that's
1: when he shoots him and the fight begins which was Mayfield was a great shot by the way he was definitely a sharpshooter because he was he just needed one shot per person in yep, that room Yep, it was well, amazing and it was it was
0: almost comical too because mayfield shoots valen and then there's like it pans over to the trooper who's got like this plate with with a cup <laughs> it's like on a it
1: little tray, like, <laughs> and poor guy was just <laughs> taking his lunch break <laughs> and there's like
0: that that awkward silence of nobody knows what exactly to do, and then and then they all start shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So and that leads to the uh the the fight to get to the roof. And um and then we see Fennick and Kara just be expert sharpshooters as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Because as
0: as Din and Mayfield are ascending to the roof, they're they're just picking off the troopers that are trying to follow them up the roof, which was crazy um they do make it up to the roof and slave one swoops in and din and mayfield jump aboard
1: and which by the way does boba just get to lie down as he's waiting like for while his ship is like in landing position <laughs> yeah does he just get to like chill like take a nap or something like what is up with can't that? imagine
0: that's incredibly comfortable but but yeah i mean it it, it echoes fact it's it's gonna echo episode two Attack of the Clones, which I am yeah. super excited about. But even in in that I remember in uh when uh Obi-Wan Kenobi and Django Fett are having their fight and Boba Fett is in the cockpit. Like he mm-hmm. has to like pull himself up to like look over the view screen <laughs> because the cockpit is kind of you know, it's it's tilted back because it's got those right. those wings. So so yeah, I guess he he just gotta <laughs> chill. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine his feet or his legs would fall asleep, though, because, again, that's not a comfortable (laughs) position. Um, But either way, so he he shows up and Din and Mayfield jump aboard. And that's when Mayfield takes the, the cycler rifle and shoots at the the Rhydonium and explodes the entire refinery. That's then when the slave one is pursued by two tie fighters and we get my favorite part of the entire episode because we get the seismic charge <laughs> which if I haven't mentioned this before episode 2 is the movie that I <laughs> was in well it was kind of my introduction to Star Wars so I consider it my favorite and as a kid we uh as a family loved the seismic charge scene in episode 2 because at that point we had just gotten surround sound in our living room. (laughs) And so we would do the seismic charge and just love how it sounded in the living room. So I I have, I have fond memories of, of the seismic charges. So to see them come into this episode, it was, (laughs) I think I literally applauded at that point. So, (laughs) so Andrew, don't, uh, don't make fun of me, but if you do, that's fine. And then the the kind of the the post climactic part of the episode, we have we have Din thanking Mayfield for helping. And Kara has changed her mind about Mayfield because she she sees that he's the one who actually destroyed the refinery. And so they they do tell or they do start to make the comments, well, you know, it's too bad that that Mayfield died on that explosion on on Morak, you know. And so they, they let Mayfield just kind of escape off, off into the, to the jungle. And the, the paperwork that Carr is going to do is going to claim that inmate, well, I forget his number. Three,
1: four, six, <laughs> six, seven, I think it is. Yes. Three, Yeah.
0: four, six, six, seven died in the <laughs> refinery explosion, which I thought was a, a nice way to handle his, mm-hmm. his arc.
1: He gets a completely fresh start now,
0: yeah, yeah, and I mean that there 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 is definitely that element of of redemption there we've seen mayfield mm-hmm. go from kind of not caring about anything in season one, knowing that he's a former imperial to i mean I don't like I said before, I don't think he's on the new Republic side, but he's definitely not pro empire and he's Uh, yeah, not brainwashed by that, and and is able to yeah have a fresh start. So then, the the final scene was also really chilling, but really cool. Mm. Din Din sends a message to Moff Gideon, which echoes the season uh not this uh the the uh, chapter seven the the episode right before the season finale of of season one, uh where Moff Gideon says the same words to Din. Din says them back to Moff Gideon, you know, that you, you have something I want. You may not think you have some idea of what you're in possession. Possess- you may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Soon he will be back with me and he means more to me than you will ever know, which was really cool because hearing it from Din it has a completely different feel. So yeah. especially that last line, he means more to me mm-hmm. than you will ever know. Yeah. We we know that that meaning is is the relationship that they have versus in season one where Moff Gideon wants him. He means more to Moff Gideon as a tool, not as a not as a person.
1: Yeah, I personally didn't cry watching that, but I I know of some fanboys who did cry while watching it and I totally get it, you know, like it. It was, um, it was a very George Lucas thing because George Lucas would always say that Star Wars is like poetry because it rhymes, mm-hmm. right? So they very much made that rhyme here with this um, hologram message. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, it just, it felt appropriate. Um, yeah, I, I like the parallels with with season one, and and of course, this is all now. We are just anticipating Friday to come so we can know what happens and. And uh, I'm happy and I'm sad all at the same time because it's it's the season finale, which means then we're going to have almost a year before the next season. But but I want to know what happens. So I'm super, super excited for Friday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait.
0: Any other final thoughts on the episode before we wrap things up?
1: Well, I mean, there was so much um, in their dialogue. I think we could probably have a whole not like another half hour or something talking about yeah. it. Um, but I think, you know, one theme, one line that Mayfeld kept bringing up is we all got to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, is his way of saying, like, we all have a conscience and we all have to accept the consequences of our actions and the reality of our actions. Then, um, and, you know, at the end of the day. And, um you know, in a way that's, that's a great way of putting it, you know, right. um, at the same time, you know, they're I think one of the things that he was sort of getting at, um, especially when he was saying, you know, well, if you were born on Mandalore, you believe one thing. If you're born on Alderaan, you believe something else. But guess what? Neither one of them uh, exist anymore. So he was sort of, I think, I think he was sort of, you know, with this whole theme of the believer, you know. Um, Mayfeld was kind of, I think, trying to say there's no point in believing anything as far as a creed, you know, like or maybe like practicing a a religion or whatever. Um, And I think, you know, definitely it's worth noting that, um, you know, if if you want to be able to sleep at night, you have to accept, you know, what the truth is Mm -hmm. of what you've done and ultimately the truth is worth searching for, you know, it's, 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 it has value in and of itself because it's true. Um, And so I think as a person of faith, I would say that, you know, definitely that is um, that's why, you know, I, I profess the creed that I do is because I believe that it is true and that it brings that freedom you know, to Mm -hmm. be able to make the choices that I make and to make them to be able to sleep at night, you know, quote unquote, but to be able to, to know that what I am doing is good, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that it is the greatest good that I can, um, that I can comprehend, you know, Mm -hmm. personally, like in, in my, in my limited perspective, obviously, I mean, there's a certain truth to what he was saying, you know, obviously if you're, born in one area, you're brought up in, in their culture and their belief system. And if you're brought up in another culture, you know, but ultimately there is a truth out there. Right. Right.
0: Right. Objective truth is not, it is the same whether or not you grew up on, on, you know, in North America or whether you grew up in Africa or Asia, um, you know, and I think even Mayfield, I mean, ultimately by the end of the episode implies that he recognizes that too, because of because of his destroying the refinery like he recognizes the evil that he's trying to to destroy Mm -hmm. you know if it didn't matter then he would have just kind of let it let it go and not care but the fact that he does care shows that he does believe in something um Mm -hmm. that is objective so so yeah that's yeah objective truth is going to be Is going to be the same whether or not you grew up on Alderaan or Mandalore. But he also made an interesting comment. He said Mandalore doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, that. Yeah, you could have really um, missed that. But so I'm. Yeah, I think. I don't know what that means. They mentioned that actually in Chapter Six, The Prisoner, uh, with Mayfeld. and I think ah, I forget the name of the character, but it was um, Clancy Brown's character, mm. the Davaronian, who says, um, I think Mayfeld says like, oh, well, you know, Mandalorians are supposed to be the greatest warriors of all time. And then uh, the Davaronians like, well, then why are they all dead? You know, and so, yeah, it's this idea of like, what happened to Mandalore, right? Well, and
0: isn't that what's sort of being referenced when they talk about is it the the purge? Mm -hmm. So we don't really, we don't have anything, we haven't seen any of that, or it's only been referenced. I think Moff Gideon referenced it, but we haven't seen or know what actually took place. And it's sort of implied that the the planet itself has been devastated too, but we don't really know.
1: I mean, we definitely know that the Empire has the ability to destroy planets, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but why would they do it to Mandalore in particular?
0: Good questions that I imagine at some point... We'll get answers to, but not (laughs) not today, and I would bet not even in the season finale. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm hopeful that we'll get to see Bo Katan next week, but
1: that would be great.
0: I I suspect we won't see Ahsoka, but I'm hoping for Bo Katan. I don't know. We'll see. uh That is going to be it for us this evening. Um, also, just a reminder to you listeners out there that we have a, a Christmas raffle going on. Uh, I have an extra copy of the official Art of the Mandalorian Season 1 book. So if you want to be entered into that raffle, email us at Star Wars Book at SQPN.com. So that's Star Wars Book singular at SQPN.com. And include your name and the phrase, This is the Way. And you will be included in our raffle that we will be drawing for that probably early to mid-January. So just uh, keep listening and we'll announce the winner and you'll be contacted and we'll send you the, send you the book as a bit of an epiphany present for you. Mm-hmm. If, you want to, if you want in, definitely email us. That's definitely it from, us this, it from us this evening. And, of course, listeners, we always want to know what you thought of this episode of The Mandalorian. So let us know by emailing us at sqpn.com or emailing us at starwars at sqpn.com. Or you can comment on our Facebook and Twitter page to let us know what you thought. And you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia and on Twitter at sqpn. Also, of course, please be sure to share these episodes on Facebook and Twitter and retweet us and, and all the things to, to share the episode with your friends and uh, family members and those you think that would like to listen to us and those you think you may, that may not listen to us. But, uh, you know, everyone uh, <laughs> that would like to listen to us, hopefully, all are welcome. yeah, all are welcome <laughs> and hopefully uh, they find us. So share, share the podcast to help us grow it. Also, be sure to, if you have time to give us a review on, on Apple Podcasts podcasts or the google podcast to to let us know how we're doing and that also helps us to to reach a wider audience as well so we'd like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of star wars including this week sarah c michael h kaylee s greg w and arlia s their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting SQPN.com slash give. Of course, make sure that you're subscribed to the show and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast player, and you can find us on YouTube. Just search for the SQPN YouTube channel and be sure to hit the bell to receive notifications on new episodes. You can find any and all previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars by going to sqpn.com slash Wars. And we will be back next week where we we will be discussing the season finale of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. So that's going to be an exciting one and you don't want to miss it. So until then, Angela Cialana, thanks for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Wars. Thank you, Father. And I will point out that we are at an hour and 20 minutes, so...
1: You know. <laughs> it was, it Even was without a very the other rich guys. episode, yes. <laughs> so, it's
0: great. Uh, anyways, once again, I am Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest.